<laughs> I like pickles, so I like I like those really big dill pickles. So yeah, cucumber make pickle. <laughs> TK loves himself a meaty pickle. I do. <laughs> oh, no. Just the, the way it feels in your mouth is really there. Getting yeah, no. Monk, please I mean, answer this question so we can move on. Red Raiders. Hello. Thread Raiders. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, freaks and geeks, one and all, welcome to the Thread Raiders podcast. What started as a small uprising on Twitter has turned into a movement to spread goodwill among all creators, with the occasional side quest for wadding and ramrods. Wadding? Wadding. Wadding. My name is Fenwald Griswick. And I am Chaotic Anarchy. TK, look at your chest. <laughs> yep, I have it written right here, TK, so I know who I am. And we have a special guest today. Everybody Yay. say hello to the psychotic monk. Hello, hello. Hello. Monk. Welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me here tonight. Yay. He kills people, but in very calm <laughs> ways. Oh, of course, that's the it's only way the, to do it. It's the zen Kill with kindness is my thoughts. that's what we appreciate for those of you who are new uh we have first up our interview we're going to talk to our friend the monk after that we're going to uh have our tabletop treasure trove uh, where tk is going to talk to us about the orpheus protocol uh community update with ca Uh, she's going to tell us a little bit about what's going on on her twitter feed after that Tea time, our regular segment, what's in the box, and then of course uh, we're going to wrap it up with what is happening in the world of the Thread Raiders. But first up, Mr. Monk, I hear that congratulations are in order. Yes, it is. I just recently had my first grandson. Aww. Hey. Oh. Congrats, Monk. And it took forever. I waited forever for this. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those situations where we had a couple of false scares up front and then. Mm. Basically, we got a phone call that she was going in on one night and was there all day long and had the C-section. The baby was born. But now that you said it was like seven pounds, right? Yeah, seven pounds, 14 ounces, 23 inches long. Oh, so but the the neat thing about the whole birth is that now I have three generations of family members all on the same birthday. Got grandson, my wife and her great grandmother. And his great-grandmother. Nice. Wow, what are the chances of that? Efficiency, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> it helps me out so that I don't have to remember too many more birthdays. I remember you mentioned in the uh, Discord, Monk, that your daughters weren't really big in the D&D. Bear Brace is uh, coming up with a TTRPG for little kids. Mm-hmm. When your grandson's old enough, you pick that up, you get him started young. Oh, <laughs> I've already got that planned out. I was t- talking to my wife. He's like, my grandson will know what D&D is, and I will do everything I can. <laughs> I mean, I've already got this onesie with my wife doing some shirt printing stuff. I'm going to have her make a onesie that basically says, my parents rolled a nat 20. Aww, that is so freaking that's adorable. Great. That's so cute. You need a bib that says, sorry, I rolled a one. <laughs> <laughs> we might actually have a new product line for future for DMs and gamers. Yes, and stuff like that. I love it. 
<laughs> DND babies. <laughs> yeah, DND for TOTS. Sounds great. <laughs> I'm sorry. When you said false scare, I thought maybe you were worried like it was a goat or some sort of other <laughs> you know alternative no. uh, birthing situation. I'm glad that you ended up with a human. That's good. <laughs> so am I, because I would have questioned the whole situation. <laughs> like, um, wait a second, Doc. This is wrong. We're not at the vet clinic. I know the next door, but come on, man. This would have been a very interesting episode. <laughs> I would have milked that for the ratings, boy. Let me not know. that we don't <laughs> accept goat births. I'm just saying it would have been random. <laughs> yes, everybody to each their own. That's fine. Oh, my goodness. So, Monk Paul, tell us... How you got into Dungeons and Dragons? Where did it all begin? Um, well, it started about 1984 when I actually went and visited my older cousin, and he had actually had picked up the first Red Box set. We played a game there, Ooh. came back here, went to my local Target when you can actually used to buy these things at Target, and mm-hmm. picked up my Red Box there and been playing ever since. What can you get in a Red Box set for those who didn't start that long ago? <laughs> it was the basic set of D&D. It was just right after Gygax had transitioned to TSR and had stopped. I think it was his, he created a set called Chainmail or something like that. His very first. Mm-hmm. But this here was like a more fine-tuned box set. And you got your Dungeon Master Guide. You got your Player Guide. And you got a character sheets along with a um, a set of dice. That's so cool. And if you connected it to a payphone, you can make free long-distance calls. <laughs> Actually, that's a whole different segment of my life, but I could have told you how to do that, too. <laughs> yeah, back in the day, like, Monk, Monk and I are what, what they call grognar, CA. We remember when D&D books were $8. <laughs> yeah, those were the days. Do you still have your box set? No. Unfortunately, I had a situation in which... That type of stuff. And I still have some of the books that weren't in my briefcase at the time. But but yeah, no, I don't have a lot of that stuff anymore. TK, do you? Uh, yeah, they're actually sitting on my shelf. Uh, they're also in my dad's attic. And there's a reason Mandy will not let me get more D&D books. Because like, you, 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 you got to get rid of some. It's like, ah, I can't. I hoard <laughs> them. It's like my, my addiction is to those books. I have... All my second edition stuff on the shelf, because that's what I started with. My dad has all the first edition stuff he gave me, and he told me I have to get it out by the end of the year. He's going to sell it. I was like, good luck. <laughs> I mean, I don't have the original um, red books and the uh, the expert set, but I did buy the rules encyclopedia when they produced it, which had basic through champion which has all the rules Ooh. in a standard book. And then, I mean, I got into Pathfinder a little bit, so I have a good number of the the books with about three of the monster manuals and one of the supplements that went with it, but didn't play it very much. All right, Monk Paul, I have an important question. And the answer is 13. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to keep some of that luck for tea time. All right. <laughs> what is your favorite character? Well, since I don't get to play a whole lot, there was one time that I was playing a thief for the very first time. Thief Ooh. died before the adventure was over with, but the amazing situation about it was I actually climbed in through a second story window into this <laughs> castle that we were trying to break into. I get up there, I was going to tie a rope off for everybody to get in, and yet I just did something and disturbed the guard, so I had four orcs charging me. Second level, okay. Only thing I do is jump back out the window. 30 feet tall, it ain't happening. I I actually had a whip and dagger. 
So the DM says, <laughs> what are you going to do? I says, I'm going to use my whip and try to hit one of the orcs that are getting close to me. Roll the 20. Perfect timing. Ooh. He says, what do you want to do with that 20? I says, can I wrap it around a body part or something? He says, okay, you get a neck. He says, he's charging at you. The, the whip is dropping, getting slack. He says, what do you do? I jump out the window using him as brace. Oh, nice. Oh, no. <laughs> so the, the 15 foot or 10 foot of the whip turned a 30 foot dro- um, drop into a 5 foot hang drop. I lost my whip, but I didn't die and take too much damage. You didn't nay nay. I didn't nay nay. <laughs> <laughs> Was that a second edition or third? Second edition. Flail that. Mm, <laughs> hey, and 2E, back in the day, the modified weapons rules were awesome because you could do that. You could behead someone and use their head as a flail. Yep. <laughs> That's so cool. I want to be able to do that. I should write a new supplement then. Like, here's the old rules from 2E. We're bringing them to 5E because yeah, CA asked me to. Yeah, now I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I do. Because I get really creative in games. And I feel like for, for DMs who are just starting for their first time with Dungeons & Dragons as an experience, for the 5th edition, they don't really let you go that far because there's no rules or anything for that in that edition. Well, then I can uh, direct you to some... 5e supplement that I came across on drive through RPG that actually has some improvised weapon stuff in there so that it's oh, ba- cool. based off of the weight of the improvised on the type mm-hmm. of damage it does so it gives you, really so cool. it gives you a big a little bit more guidelines than just having a improvised weapon I like that yeah me too sweet so I will track that down among my flash drive of godliness <laughs> <laughs> I mean you got to understand I collect, I like prefer books, but I have a flash drive I carry around with me everywhere. I started off with an 8 gig flash drive, filled it up, upgraded to a 32 gig flash drive, and it is now half full of PDFs, brain teasers, and all that type of stuff that I do when I have a few minutes at work or I'm sitting here at the computer doing nothing but watching streams. Yeah, streams are addictive. Yes, they are. So they much. really are. They're like podcasts for the eyes. Yes. <laughs> If I could only figure out a way to have a stream going in one ear with a podcast going in the other ear and be able to comprehend both at the same time, I would be perfect. I'd be in heaven. (laughs) I tried that once. I ended up getting really confused and a headache because I was watching a stream of a game. I was listening to the podcast of the previous game so I wouldn't get lost in the character development. I was like, all right. Brain hurt. It's like that show Sherlock where, I'm sorry, uh, Elementary, where Sherlock has like eight TVs going at the same time and he's like yeah. watching them all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have to admit that there's been times I have two streams going at, at the same time. I've got one real low where I can hear barely what's going on and I got the other one a little louder so I hear it mostly. But occasionally when the sound drops a little bit, I'm listening to the other one. And it's like, oh, that sounds interesting. Flip. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do that a lot, too, to keep up with all the Threadraider streams because um, I, I want to support everybody in the community. So usually on the weekends, I have one on my TV, one on my computer, and one on my phone. <laughs> and then I just chat away. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how my Discord channel is growing. My Twitch follows are following. My Twitter account is I'm almost like following 400 different individuals now. That's nice. so great. So. <laughs> So how did you find out about Thread Raiders? After talking with Mets, she introduced me to Maddie, and then I get a text from both of them, and Discord says, we think you would be a good fit to Thread Raiders. Here's the Discord invite. Please come join us. And you are a great fit. So We have a good time. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love our Discord. I, I like that it it was please come join us and not my method of hey join this thing. Right. <laughs> join now. <laughs> yeah, I first came across Mitz when I was listening to Beholder's Eye um, podcast that she's involved with, and basically found her and we started talking kind of exchanged a lot of good information here and there and then next thing i know she gets me on this server gets me on that server and <laughs> it's, just, it's yeah. been growing Met, ever since amazing mets girl is good at that like, yes. i realize we're yeah. on a lot of the same servers that's like her birthday i, I posted like on 10 servers like wait are you on not on a single server i'm on <laughs> yeah yep nope i'm the same way i did a comparison and yes i stalking her for the lack of better word <laughs> i think we all stalk mets <laughs> we love you mets yeah, we do <laughs> she, she's, she's a loving stalk we're not like sitting outside your house yes. with a camera and be like oh that's what she had for dinner yeah no she, <laughs> she has she has pointed me in the right directions to meet a large number of good quality people out here because mm-hmm. being old school and everything never really thought about getting involved with the online community and everything and but now that i have i wish i would have found a way to do it much earlier now one of the other things that's listed on your um on your twitter uh, feed like under your bio uh it says glass etching is that still a thing yes it I, is a thing and it's so good yes it is something that i haven't done in probably the last six seven months because i did some remodeling in the house so my garage was the holding stage for everything plus you had to birth that goat the goat yes (laughs) could not forget the goat so but yes no it's something that i was one day was watching youtube and came across one of these random videos that popped up it's like let me see what this is i think i can do that so i bought the tools and the eagle that i think the eagle is actually posted on my twitter was the first one I ever did. I took a one of those stress coloring books and everything and used it as a go-by and drew all that with a diamond bit tool on a rotary tool. Nice. So, And it took me probably about four and a half hours to do that. And then I, got, then I started looking at sandblasting because there's another form of sand, um, glass etching is through sand, um, sandblasting. Sure. So I bought myself a compressor, a sandblasting box, and the tools I need for that. So how do you sandblast something? Um, well, with a diamond etch, you basically, some people are naturally talented where they just take the flexible bit and they actually just start drawing it like you do with a pencil to a piece of paper. Except if you mess up, you scratch the entire glass or you figure a way to cover up that diamond cut into a glass. I was not that talented, so I took myself a Sharpie, kind of drew out my lines, and then etched out the Sharpie and, and get, wham, I got an image. Now, when it comes down to sandblasting, I take um, a mylar film that you typically use for um, putting emblems on, like your Yeti cups and stuff like that, when you see people with these custom images on there that they have. Mm -hmm. Sometimes those are cut with those, put on there, and then they're clear-coated over that. I take that same film, put it on a piece of glass, and actually cut out the image that I want to sandblast, use the sandblaster tool to hit that portion of the glass, and then peel the rest of it away so that you the glass is clear except in the place where I actually hit it with the sandblast that I had cut out from the mylar. That is awesome. So that one piece yeah. you shared on the Discord was beautiful. Now, I saw the one with the roses too. That was beautiful. Yes, that was another it, one that was it, done by hand. Now, I don't mm-hmm. know which one you're talking about, TK, but there is another form that I got practicing, which is called negative sandblasting, in which what I did is I took that tulip shirt paint Mm-hmm. and basically drew out the image 
and let it dry, which I think that the last one I did, the first one I did was the Snoopy. The second one I did was kind of like an elf woman with right. some greenery and stuff or some leaves around her. And you let it dry and it takes about 45 minutes to let the stuff to surely dry. And then you take your sandblasting stuff and you just sandblast the entire piece of glass and then take a razor blade and scrape away the, the paint and it leaves the image behind. Yeah. That's so cool. That is need to do awesome. This. I used to work for a sign shop, and uh, we used to use plotters. We would do all the work in Illustrator or you know whatever sign program we had, and then um, we would actually plot it out on like this rubber mat stuff that had like this goo behind it, and you would actually lay that across the glass, and then somebody would come in behind, they would peel off the part that you had designed, and then just sandblast right over the rubber. And it was really interesting. Some of the things that they could do, like if you hit it at just the right angles, it would make like a different kind of frostiness and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, no, that's another thing I've looked at. There's a couple of companies in which you can send images in and they can create this like bluish film that you can lay on the glass. And there's like a thin layer that as you hit it, it actually disintegrates under the sandblasting. And then you peel the whole blue thing, which is very similar to what you're talking about with that rubber mat. Yeah. Because there is another one that's called reusable mats in which you can cut your image out and sticky it, sandblast it, pull it out, clean it with hot water, and you reapply it to the plastic surface and then reuse it whenever you want to. So there's a lot of different forms out there in order to do sandblasting. Um, the other one that I have not done but I have the tools for is the actual um, armor flex um, acid etching, where, yeah. you, where you actually put the stuff on there and you dab a bunch of acid on there and then you let it melt the um, chemical reaction to the glass, you wash it all off, and <laughs> you got an etch, etch glass. Now, do you sell these? I have not yet. I have only sold one, and that's because the guy saw what I did with the rose and begged that yeah. I do the owl, which I think I shared that in the Discord, and he, his mm -hmm. wife was big into owls. So I took two, three different images to compile to make the owl and did a single-stage sandblasting and made 45 bucks. It's not bad. No. And basically no, that um, charged a little bit of money for my time and effort, but a good portion of it was the charge of shipping to make sure I shipped it all the way up to Pennsylvania. I'm going to look into this now. <laughs> yeah, you know, we've been trying to put together the Thread Raiders eBay account, so we might actually <laughs> gang press you into uh, making a couple dozen uh, glass mugs for us. <laughs> I have thought about doing that. There, um, I had bought myself a mug to practice on that, to grab an image and do it on there, because I've also been looking at um, coloring the etching so that you can do multicolor on top of the etching. Yeah, I'm going to need 24 Texas Rattler glass beer steins is what I'm looking for. <laughs> I hope you're ready for that. I mean, what about the Texas anaconda? Because it's prettier. Well, actually, it's a, um, a non-poisonous snake. All it does is hunt rats. <laughs> I've lost interest. You you lost me at non-poison. <laughs> so, oh, sorry. Well, then if you like the poison stuff, I'm sure I can introduce you to one of the many other yes. snakes that we have here in Texas. <laughs> Introductions are in order. Because we do have our fair share, and my fear of them are nice and healthy. <laughs> well, I mean, you got to realize, I was a kid, and I was playing in the woods, and I had a snake fall out of a tree and land on my shoulders, so... Oh, well, there's that. A after that point there, I have a real healthy fear of snakes. You know, it's funny you bring that up because TK's father once wrestled a, uh, an electric eel to the ground on the beach uh, in, like, Massachusetts. It was incredible. You should hear that story sometime. We don't have time for it today because we're in a rush, but uh, it's a great story. Tune in to Discord. You should go to our Discord. He'll tell you all about it.
Yes. Okay, TK, we got a date for that one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, I want to wrap up this interview by saying, uh, first of all, I demand credit for being both 40 years old and laughing at Nene. Okay, I know what that is. So, yes, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm impressed. And also, if you're in the market for a name for your new grandchild, uh, Griswick is trademarked, but Fenwald is in the public <laughs> domain. So I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, uh, I will throw that at my dollar. Yeah, my I mean, it could get you back on the show if you if you enjoy yourself. <laughs> It's promo time. Greetings, fellow adventurers. Fenwald Griswick here. Dice are like people. When they first arrive at your house, you're thrilled to see them, and they cooperate with your plans for world domination. But then, after about five hours or so, you develop a mutual hatred, and they deliberately screw with your stuff out of spite. Are you tired of rolling a one when you really needed a 12 or higher? Do your acrobatics checks look more like grasping vines? Have you been killed while casting Animal Friendship? Scientifically speaking, your dice probably aren't cursed. But why take the chance? Our presenting sponsor this week is Tabletop Loot. Tabletop Loot has a wide variety of gaming accessories, such as complete sets of dice, tote bags, t-shirts, rolling towers, and much more. They even have those pads of paper you use to write down the list of things you need to buy from the grocery store. Whether it's ending the terrible reign of an undead dragon or simply trying to climb out of a hole formerly lived in by a gelatinous cube, don't settle for substandard tools. Visit TabletopLoot.com right now to see all of their amazing wares. And when you find something you like, use the code THREADRAIDERS at checkout to get an even bigger discount. After all, what's the point in publicly admitting you know us if you're not going to get a little cash out of the deal? Tabletop Loot, loot for every table. And now, back to our show. Let's do it. All right, TK. Yes, sir. Uh, no, you got to introduce it. It's, it's, the, <laughs> it's the tabletop treasure trove. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little ditty that, that just really sells it to the viewers. That's beautiful. The portion of our show where TK <laughs> describes uh, something there that he found is. on the internet. There it is. Yeah. Much better. Uh, today. A game I've played and the newest version just came out, and I love this game. The Orpheus Protocol is a D6-based system. Version 3 just came out on OrpheusProtocol.com. I know the creators have put a lot of time and effort into this. It is a D6, kind of like Fate, but it's based off of two things. It's story-driven, and it is GM-driven investigatively. So if you're, let's say, Monk decides he doesn't like combat and you don't want to run a combat game, you can run a complete investigation game with no combat at all. Oh, that's interesting. That would be perfect for me. That does sound very interesting. So you're like a detective. Yeah. Uh, The group Orpheus is a, uh, it's actually based off, they do a podcast on it. They're a secret government organization that controls the paranormal and the parapsychological so think of, like, you know, if Cthulhu showed up tomorrow, these would be the guys you'd call if you had their number and didn't get black bag for calling them. So it's like Men in Black meets Ghostbusters. Kind of, yeah. That's actually a really great description. Does, yeah. I like it. No, this is great. This is sexy. Yeah. Uh, there's the, the types of characters you can be are insane. 
I'm a human, but before that I've played a cyborg. I've played a cyborg witch, which was fun. <laughs> uh, you can actually be a a thermatic thermatigist. So Ooh. a person who uses Sounds magic important. but uses it more nature-like, kind of like a druid in D&D, but more badass. And you can also be a, you know, well, essentially a cult leader. <laughs> there you go. I've done that, that in a campaign before. That's the best way to describe it. You have to recruit it, all yeah. the other players? It's weird. You get um, abilities as you level up, as you grow your character. And leveling's not based off, exper- off of experience. It's based off of, uh, it's kind of like the uh, milestone system in D&D. You get levels based off milestones you reach in the story. Gotcha. And you can be something called a wielder of weapons, which gives you a holy weapon. And the holy weapon could be anything. You know, some people go Christian with it. Some people go you know, homebrew with it. Yep. But it, it, you're essentially cult leader because you have this ability to innately make people see your way of thinking and agree with you no matter what if the dice agree with you on it we talked about the milestone system in the past podcast um and i've always been a fan of that i'm i'm not a a real big uh xp guy like you know calculating it as you go i do like the milestone for certain things actually and uh clay's terminal discord we were discussing the pros and cons of milestones like "Ah, it depends on the game and the players my current group on my Monday game don't like Milestone. In my monthly game, they love Milestones. Like, eh. Interesting. Yeah. I had a kale cult once. <laughs> Did you say kale? <laughs> yes, kale. <laughs> they were the cult of the leafy green. <laughs> the Raw D&D podcast, they asked if I would be on an episode of theirs. Um, and my character, whose name was Gila, who was Ganazi, uh, <laughs> had a party member who could talk to plants and they talked to a piece of kale so now Gila <laughs> believes that kale has life and their lives matter <laughs> so I still want to put on a thing, shirt yes. I will have to go back and look that up because I have listened to quite a few of their podcasts yes it's not out yet oh um, okay but when it is I'll let you know so she gets to the zoo and she asks if they can have a section for kale, which she was denied, which is very sad. So she decides handing out pamphlets about how kale lives matter to all of the people who come to visit the zoo will help benefit. And they can fill out the survey and put it in the survey box. <laughs> so then all of a sudden, um, uh, Gila ends up with this cult. <laughs> so it's rather, rather interesting. And they make t-shirts. And now uh, the Raw D&D podcast, they're all going to make, and everybody who is in it are going to make t-shirts for Gen Con <laughs> next year. It was a good time. The only thing that the Kale could say was, I am Kale. I am Kale. I am Kale. I don't know what it said, but clearly it's alive. <laughs> See, this is why you don't eat Kale or broccoli, because you're eating Kale and broccoli. You're really eating versions of Groot. That's right. And I kept the kale on my shoulder the whole time. It makes an appearance from time to time in my campaigns. And on this podcast. <laughs> yes, and on the podcast. That's right. It was in a What's in the Box episode. Mm-hmm. Now, TK, is there anything like a like Q from James Bond in any of these classes? Because I feel like that would plug in perfectly with it. Is, um, if you're a soldier class, what they call archetypes, if you're a soldier archetype, you can eventually get there, uh, but the person you work for your handler at Orpheus 
is kind of like Q, the person who gives you the ah. cool devices. And as a soldier, you get an ability to do that, make those cool devices. Currently, my uh, soldier I'm playing, I did not pick any of those because I was basing them off of me from hmm, roughly 12 years ago, which I was not as technically savvy as I am now, but I did know how to blow stuff up. <laughs> I was naval. I was in the we'll navy. That, in that was my thing. <laughs> that's his thing. He's like, yeah, I know how to blow stuff up and I know how to shoot things. What do you guys want me to do? <laughs> but wow. you can. What I really, I, I will say, I love this system for its ability to adapt to just the players themselves. It's like, oh, I want to be a pacifist. You can play a pacifist who is the most badass character around just by convincing people not to attack you or your party, but each other. <laughs> Definitely an interesting system to look into. Mm-hmm. So is there... For sure. There's like a Game Master, right? Like this is a regular tabletop sort of game? Right. There's a Game Master. They're just the GM of the game. They kind of set the pace of the story, decide where you're going, like if you have a mission or not, or like a... One of the games I played in, the group Orpheus didn't even exist in the game. It was just a bunch of people who decided, hey, we're going to go hunt these evil things that are in our town. It ended badly because <laughs> they was like, oh, you're going to drive. My character at the time did not know how to drive. We ran off a bridge. Oh, jeez. It was those wonderful, wonderful six nat ones in a row. Oh. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, not, that's not good. wrong. You know what you did wrong is you didn't have tabletop loot dice. That's, that's the problem. Right. I know. You didn't just yeah. stop. That's you a... didn't stop after the third one. <laughs> no, I, I rolled I, I rolled my uh, unnamed dice company dice, and they failed me. And then, see, told me about tabletop loot, and now I just use those. And I'm like, yeah. They're like, how are you getting the – we roll on camera. So they can see what we're rolling. Like, how are you so lucky? It's like, because unnamed company dice are not sound dice. I've proven this scientifically. <laughs> I have a gravimetric scale at work I stole to measure the gravimetric quality of uh, tabletop loot dice versus unnamed dice company. Wow. <laughs> it wouldn't be a Threadwriters podcast if we didn't confess to a crime. Nope. Yeah. No. <laughs> it wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> The one thing that I learned as a kid is that the best way to stop a car is to jam both of your feet into the dirt directly underneath of you and then just pull <laughs> the car up into the air. Yep. Works every time. Yeah, especially if you have a dinosaur <laughs> in the back. It helps with the physics. It's a tough beat, but somebody's got to do it. All right. Well, I pulled a hammy singing that last theme song. So, CA, why don't you just, uh, let's... You're not going to sing my What's song. What's happening in your Twitter feed? I can't. All along but the right-hand side. It's here. my song. It's community... Uh, <laughs> it's community update. Yes. Oh, <laughs> excellent. Well done. Monk would have sang my song. I'm just saying. I was sitting here trying to remember the words because I was going to try to do it for you. <laughs> the words are community update. Not if you had the Charlie horse I had. Okay. Yes. So community update. Woo! That's good. It had a southern twang yeah. to it. See, now you need to record that, and then every time I go on, that will play. Um, I'll, send you, I'll send you this audio track, and you can have it, and you can use it as much as you want. You are the best monk. 25 cents like a grizz. use. <laughs> no, just All right. It is time for the Extra Life Fundraiser. Yes. It's coming up, and I'm freaking out. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, so it's not this weekend. It's the following weekend, right? Right. It is not tonight. 
because this is when it will be. Good. Yep. <laughs> but it will be the next one. Holy crap. Next Friday. It's here. So that is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk a little bit about the schedule and what you can expect to see during this incredible 48, well, actually, it's more now. It's 55 hour plus <laughs> extra life fundraiser. What started off as five hours, believe it or not, it was literally only one stream turned out to be 55 plus hours. That's that's amazing. It warms my heart. Although that could be a heart attack because it's a lot of hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't do not do that. I mean, we're, we're going to be streaming like 50 plus hours of games. Oh my goodness. It's so bad. Okay. All right, ready? So on Friday night, it all starts off with dueling DMs, which is with moi and Daekun Game Army, where it'll be two dungeon masters competing against each other. To find out who is better of the two DMs. So it will be interactive. So those who are hanging out and watching us get to vote on who is the best. Um, it'll actually be a Alice in Wonderland theme. But it's actually a horror Alice in Wonderland theme. So it should be a really good time. The original book was pretty was pretty weird. Like, yeah. yeah. It was pretty yeah. out there and psychotic. So. So. Mm-hmm. Psy- Psycho Monk would enjoy it. It'll be- <laughs> <laughs> we'll do you proud, Monk. <laughs> I, I hope you do. <laughs> Next, we have Mets Girl. She's going to be doing Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. Um, doing Rebels of Cloudburg. Where the nobles in the town of Cloudburg have an increasing amount of thefts. <gasps> dun, dun, However, dun. they have no evidence on where these thefts are occurring from. And the town's police won't stir up trouble unnecessarily. The nobles have had enough. So they're hiring a group outside the law to come take care of things. Ooh. All right. Should be a good time. Yeah, that does sound interesting. Overnight, we have Danny, who, you know, I don't know if you can pronounce it, TK. Can you pronounce his thing? Is it Mara Ninja? Maruska uh, Ninja? Let me. I know it's not Maruska. I tried looking that up earlier. Maruska me... Ninja? <clears throat> Mar- Marusk. M U R. He's Maraschino Ninja. M-U-R-A-S-A-K-E. Uh, Marusaka Ninja. Marusaki, Marusaki Ninja. Oh, Marusaki. Marusaki Ninja. Because the U is Can we put that U. whole thing in there? Marusaka Masaki. He's going to love this. So have- this is more attention than he's ever gotten, ever. Yeah, and I'm so glad you guys didn't ask me <laughs> to Danny, I'm name. sorry I butchered your name, but... <laughs> Wait till I, I butcher the title to- of his game. It's just going on. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is... This is what we do here. We butcher things and then apologize later. <laughs> yes. Overnight, we have Danny Murasaki Ninja, where he will be taking the adventurers to find out about a rash of disappearance that are happening in Char, which is <laughs> C-H-U-U-R. I hope so. Uh, apparently, it is down into the uncharted miles of the deep below. They have come across the unknown at every corner, both wondrous and terrifying. As the search comes to an end, what they might find just blows their minds. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Then we have Saturday morning with Dire Foxy Corn, yes. who is incredibly nervous because this is their first time DMing live before the world. Super She excited. will do amazing. Oh, yes, yeah. she will. She's going to be running Honey Heist. Yeah, she's going to be fun. Yeah. And it's going to be an Elder Scroll theme. Honey Heist is a good, is a good uh, system to run on your first game. It is. It's very good. So, Elder Scrolls, that will be an awesome time. 
And we have in the afternoon, starting around like 1 p.m. on Saturday, Nerds from Nowhere will be joining us. They're going to be doing some fun podcasting for us. They're going to have a special guest. I'm not sure who it is. It's even special to me. Uh, for those who don't know them, you can look them up online. It's nerdsfromnowhere.com. They talk about all kinds of geeky things, D&D, sci-fi, fantasy, video games, you name it. They talk about it. You guys should definitely go check out Joe and Devin. They're awesome guys. Mm-hmm. They really are. I love their show. Edit it to my list. <laughs> and I'm on it. Yay! <laughs> Saturday, 4 p.m., uh, Bisonic, um, also known on Twitter as Jim Dabison. Forgive me, all Thread Raiders who I'm just birching your names. <laughs> <laughs> your Twitter following is just plummeting. <laughs> I know, it's just getting Saturday so afternoon, you're down to a thousand people. I what happened? I, I love you all, I swear. No, it's my fault, see, it's butchering all your names. It's because I, I, I should have helped cue cards, but uh, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm reading it, but it's just terrifying. <laughs> so, Bisonic will be running uh, Truck and Turtles, which is a Ninja Turtle RPG. Nice. And I get to be a turtle. I'm so excited. <laughs> and Monk gets to be, what are you going to be, Monk? I am playing a psychotic, uh, not a psychotic, but a, a psychotic. Psy- psy- <laughs> <laughs> oh, no way. <laughs> a, a psionic weasel. Ooh. Oh, he is, I love um, it. Monk is, is now canon. I don't care. But uh, Bisonic says, you are, Shru- you are Splinter's long-lost adoptive brother <laughs> who trained under the master with him. But uh, the master was like, look, I don't need two apprentices. I'm only going to take one of you to America. Splinter, I've had you longer. I'm sorry. Yep. <laughs> and then, of course, so... I, I forget, I, um, forget the Twitch guy, the um, Threadraider's name, but he's playing a bull. And we've already Is worked out truth? the whole story. Uh, uh, Cyrus Truth. Cyrus yeah. Truth. There we go. Cyrus Truth. And we've already figured out the two of us are boss and minion type situation. I say what goes, and <laughs> that's awesome. And then I also said to Monk because he can read minds that I was going to tell him everything I'm thinking throughout the entire <laughs> time we're streaming. I'm just going to send him little messages. <laughs> like, I really like pizza. Hmm. <laughs> but which turtle are you playing, CA? I really want to be see now. I wanted to be April, but I decided to go with Donatello as my turtle because nobody else went with turtles. How can you play Ninja Turtles without turtles? It has to happen. Well, he opened up the door for anything. So, but I told him it's like yes. if everybody wanted to be turtles, I would be a turtle. Turtle, turtle. I'm gonna <laughs> wear like a um, an eye fold and everything. I'm going all out. I'm very excited. So stay tuned for an action-packed adventures with ninjas, ghosts, super beings, mutants, and danger. Saturday around 7.30, we got So Maddie Games, who will be running Vampire the Masquerade, Emerald City Nights, which he's been doing on the uh, Thread Raiders channel for quite a while now. It's been a few months. TK, you've been in a few of their games. Yeah, and this will be the wrap-up to the story. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I missed the last one. I want, I keep asking Maddie, like every now and again, so did Corbin die or not? And his answer is oh. no, he didn't. You, you We're going to keep cut asking. That out. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm going to keep asking. Yeah. If, if you didn't see last night's episode yet, TK, you need to go watch it. It was, <laughs> he designed the perfect no escape room. <laughs> and that's and all I'll say. Theater off of that room. So as 
The long-serving prince struggles to retain her power. A new batch of leaders ascend to bring on a new world order to the city on the sound. That sounds beautiful. Very well written. Thanks, Maddie. Sunday in the evening, Maxine is going to be taking the roles of playing her game called Hallway. Which is apparently there is a hallway with a bunch of doors and all you have to do is go through those doors. Within each door there is a challenge and only one exit to the room. Each room is completely different but having to do with each type and of a counter one may find in a full campaign. So you never know what's going to be there. I hope everyone makes it out. It's kind of like Escape the Room in my mind. It's like the Monty Hall problem but lethal. <laughs> yeah, kind of. And I'll be in that game and I have no idea what, we, what we're going to face. I've asked but... Maxine said, you know, wait and find Might out. Might want to like, know. Yeah. No like, spoilers. Huh. No spoilers. What door you want to go through. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of Elevator. They have that. I don't know if you've seen that on Netflix. I uh, love Netflix. that show. Yeah. They have like the sins, uh, the seven deadly sins where you walk down this hallway and each door represents a different sin and you go inside and there's a puzzle you have to complete. And if you complete it, you get like a certain amount of money and then you can come back and then you only have so many, so much time to get through all of these doors. And if you get through so many of them, I think it's like three or four, you get like a key to save your friend who's in prison and being eaten alive by spiders. It's pretty cool. That's, <laughs> that does sound binge worthy. <laughs> yeah, it really is. There, there's a there. There are some people who leave their friends in the uh, gates of hell and like screw it, I'm taking the money. It's like you're a bad mm-hmm. friend. <laughs> <laughs> then late Sunday morning, 4 a.m., we have David O'Steele, who's going to be running Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition called Desert Heist, where Wazin Al Shamari has had enough of the competition damaging his business, and so he has turned to the rogues of the Golden Song to ruin his enemy. Your job is to rob the famed lounge of a thousand whispers, a pleasure salon that caters to the rich and powerful. Your reward? Everything you can carry away before the executioner's blade finds you. Just once, I want an NPC whose name is like Mike Anderson or Jeff Smith, (laughs) you know? Bob. Hey, that guy's name was Aziz Al-Salam. <laughs> well, there's. How about Monk? Monk's a good one. Monk is an excellent name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Bob Monk. That would be an, a great <laughs> character to have in a game. <laughs> Bob Monk. That's the not road. happening. His name's going to be uh, Bob Fenwick Monk. Mm-hmm. In my uh, weekly game, that's getting introduced now. <laughs> Bob Fenwick Monk. Not no relation to the uh, Lich Bob. <laughs> or any of the other monks. <laughs> Sunday, 8.30 a.m., we've got TK yeah. from Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition TPK Theater. Tell us a little about that, TK. Uh, the TPK Theater is a... No spoilers. It's a meat grinder, pretty much. No one has survived <laughs> it yet. Well, okay, I'm wrong. Uh, Thank Pink Floyd. There have been uh, 200 characters, not players, but just characters run through the TPK Theater. Uh, myself, as one of them, has survived because I know the theater. I wrote it. Uh, one, my one friend survived because he became a lich. <laughs> he thought around the problem, and the one other person to survive the TPK theater was because she didn't think around the problem. She killed her whole team and made an alliance with the big bad end guy of the true TPK theater to become his bride. <laughs> so, perfect. <laughs> the only way to get to the TPK theater is to 
use your 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 actual wits. You can't think just D and D because these were built back in the day of second edition, where you had to think on your feet. There's oh, six possibilities of what my players will face. We're gonna roll a D6 at the start of the game. Well, first we're gonna roll a D20 to find out who gets to roll that D6. They will decide the fate <laughs> of everyone. Oh wow! Each player has. Mm -hmm. Five pre-gens that I've given them from level 10 to 15. They start off with level 15, and they go down to level 10. So stay tuned at 8.30 a.m. to see who dies. Hopefully everybody. TPK Theater <laughs> is an IQ That's test meets good. a Rorschach test. That's what basically <laughs> Pretty much. What we're talking about. <laughs> then 1 p.m. Sunday, I will be DMing a game which I'm incredibly nervous about because it's my first time DMing D&D &D live in front of the world and it is my own written campaign that i started for actually griswicks was in it no spoilers oh no spoilers um and it is also sponsored by tabletop loot so i'm gonna do them proud we're gonna try it's dungeon dragons fifth edition where we take our players to fool's march which is a well-known village located on the material plane where travelers from all over the realms and worlds far and wide come to visit and feel accepted a place known for its charisma and accepted or acceptance of all races. You have to visit the tavern. <laughs> yes, you do. My favorite part. <laughs> so I'm going to just nudge everyone in the chat to visit the tavern. Because <laughs> I'll be modding that chat. I'm like, everyone, just start saying visits tavern. I'll, I'll pay you each a quarter if you do this. <laughs> the tavern's name is the Raspy Jester. And I'm going to have artwork from Devin Rue, actually. Um, on that stream. So stay tuned to see it. It'll be very And exciting. if you don't go to the tavern, TK will ban you for 60 seconds. <laughs> so stay tuned to see what happens to Fool's March, who's currently been placed under an evil curse. Then we have our very last stream, our newly added stream <laughs> by Death by Mage, who is going to... Oh. Um, be streaming broomsticks and wands the rpg one of my favorites i will be in this as well i think tk are you in on this i don't think i am i don't think i've messaged mage because i right, wasn't sure down on the schedule right now okay <laughs> i will do Time that right starts now. at 7 p.m <laughs> mage created this himself it is a really great rpg a fantastic idea where all of the players actually get to tell a bit of the story it's not just one dm it's a dmless system how fantastic oh, is that? that? Is cool. And you get to play with wands and spells. We played it's like, this. It's like, why not? Why wouldn't you play? In testing, and it was hilarious. We we derailed Mage a bit because he was not expecting us to go the way we went. So I know that was really long. However, I wanted to make sure that everyone knew and was updated about the schedule. We're all super excited about it. In between all of these streams, also, there's going to be videos out there, interviews of Thread Raiders, games, mini games, Chubby Bunny, things like that. So <laughs> come on out and support us. Look, We're excited. And Chubby Bunny, you can, uh, in the chat, make sure you put your who you think's going to win because there are amazing prizes in store. I think the bunnies win. <laughs> <laughs> well, one Either of the way, one of the bunnies wins because I'm not a yeah, bunny. Monk, Monk wins, and he wasn't even there. That's right. <laughs> Monk always wins. Yes, he's the chubby bunny. Always bet on Monk. <laughs> it's a rule. It's tea time. Tea time. Tea time. See, are you ready, Monk? I am. Are you ready, Monk? I believe I am. 
This is the portion of our show where we read facts, so-called facts, from the underside of an unnamed tea brand company's beverage lids. Um, I have seven facts here. (laughs) Your choices are true, false, or huh? I will read the question and then wait for your response. Uh, Everybody ready? Ready. We're going to nail it. I'm ready. (laughs) Snapcap fact number six. A honeybee can fly at 15 miles an hour. I'm going to say true, because those little, those little buggers are fast. Yeah, I can picture that. I'm going to say true, because I've been hit in the face by a couple of bees. <laughs> it hurts. But, but it, it's not specific kind of bee. Yeah. Honeybee. Honeybee. Yeah, I'll go with true. Okay. True. Uh, so that's trues all around, right? <laughs> yep. I'm sorry, I'm doing a score. Did we lose? Monk. Okay. Uh, and the answer is <laughs> true. Yay! Go, be go. Yay! We're off to a good start for once. Very good start. <laughs> uh, there is a reference manual for beekeepers known as the Hive and the Honeybee. Uh, lists the average speed of a honeybee at 15 miles per hour with a maximum speed of 20 miles an hour. So that is definitely correct. We all get 1,000 Etch-a-Sketches. <laughs> Because it's like sand and it's like etching. So it's like what Monk does, but for like me, because I'm not a professional. Well, also, when the world ends and you're in a fallout society, that's a lot of aluminum, <laughs> plastic, sand, iron. Yeah, good resources. You you can build a uh, you can build a, a tank gun out of that. That'll be good. <laughs> Snapcap fact number 839. A cucumber consists of 96% water true ca sounded so confident i want to say true it is a watery veggie i'm gonna to have to say false on this one yeah I, i'm wait because 96 percent will mean it's all water uh, is it four percent skin maybe two percent skin two percent meat would be a really tiny ass uh <laughs> cucumber tiny now, ass. i'm gonna say You're false really tiny <laughs> ass. TK looking for a more meaty cucumber. <laughs> yeah, I mean... If anyone out there is into genetic engineering, now is your shot. This is a market demand situation. <laughs> I like pickles, so I like I like those really big dill pickles. So, yeah, cucumber and pickle. <laughs> TK loves himself a meaty pickle. I do. <laughs> oh, no. Just the I way it the feels better. in your mouth is really there. Descriptive. Yeah, no. Monk, please I mean, answer this question so we can move on. I said Can you false. take eight? I'm sorry, what'd you say? <laughs> I can try. Monk said false. Monk said false. All right. And the answer is no more talking. And the answer is true. Hey for me. ACA. The the, the meatiness distracted me. <laughs> no. I know how that is. <laughs> the USDA has a food composition database, which you can go to online and look at all kinds of different fruit and vegetable uh, composition numbers. Um, number 11205 is cucumber with peel, comma, raw, uh, as opposed to 11206, which is cucumber peeled raw. Uh, and it lists uh, the water content at 95.53 grams, which is 96%, so that is correct. Uh, the rest of the cucumber is 3.63% carbohydrates, and the rest is dietary fiber. 
Yeah, I'm not a friend of water. I know. <laughs> like, I, I, I shun it whenever it, I see it. Honestly, yeah, not a fan. Mm-mm. I'm a very dehydrated person. It's awful. It's not good either. <laughs> I'm going to start messing with you. Make sure to hydrate now. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to tell you not to drink water <laughs> every day now. <laughs> At home, That's I don't. Crazy. At home, I, I streamline coffee and I'm going to call you a water bubble. <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to our newest segment, Kidney Talk. <laughs> we are not medical professionals. <laughs> Go to the doctor. Call 911. What's wrong with you? Listen to us while you're doing it, though, because we're amazing. <laughs> we're amazing. <laughs> Snapcap fact number 930. Even though it is nearly twice as far away from the sun as Mercury, Venus is by far the hottest planet. Gonna say true. See now, monkey boo. Why do you think it's true? Because of the metal contents that are in the planet, it actually retains the heat hotter than the other planet. Damn, he had an answer. I'm really surprised. Now I kind of want to go with him. At least that's what I believe. Mm. I I think it's true. I believe true. too. Yeah, it was very convincing. I'll go with true. All right. True's all around. And the answer is false. Dun, 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 so, dun, dun. this is where I piss everyone off. <laughs> <laughs> so, like every episode. I don't think we're The entire podcast people, will be enraged by what I have to say. <laughs> First of all, we have to assume that we're talking in our own solar system. If we're talking about the hottest planet known to humans right now, that would be Kelt 9b, who has a surface temperature of 7,820 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, is a tidal locked gas giant that is within driving distance of its star. It just is getting blasted all day. It is unbelievably hot there. However, clearly, since they said Mercury and Venus, I'm guessing that they're talking about our solar system. Still wrong. So there are three ways to measure the hotness of a planet. Number one, core temperature. Number two, atmospheric temperature. Number three, how it does on Tinder. I mean, surface temperature. <laughs> I mean, how it does on Tinder is important because, you know, planets got to, they got to scratch in its chip. That's right. Yeah. Um, atmospheric temperature, only two planets have an atmosphere. So that clearly is not going to be a judge. And Mercury is not one of those planets. So the very fact that they included Mercury on the cap means that they're not talking about the atmosphere. Surface temperature, only four of the planets have a surface. Clearly, they're talking about core temperature because all eight planets have a core temperature. The hottest of all the cores, by far, is Jupiter at 43,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It tops everything else in the system by far. And that is just due to the fact that it is such a massive planet, uh, literally massive as in it has a ton of mass. Surface temperature. Now, this is where things get interesting. Venus has a surface temperature of 864 degrees. That is because they have an extremely thick atmosphere. It is a runaway greenhouse effect. And so, like we learned in school, Venus is incredibly hot, theoretically hotter than Mercury, which is only 801 degrees Fahrenheit, except Mercury has no atmosphere. And here's why that's important. Whenever the sun has a solar flare, it casts out a ton of heat, a ton of heat, which when it hits an atmosphere, is bounced back off into the universe. But when it hits Mercury, 
it jacks the temperature through the roof, okay? Um, the temperature of mercury during a solar flare is 1,486 degrees Fahrenheit, which is almost double that of, of Venus. That's only on one half of mercury. Again, because mercury does not have an atmosphere, the other half of mercury is negative 279 degrees Fahrenheit. So you could literally freeze to death and burn to death if you were standing at just the right spot and you had night on one side and day on the other. That's so crazy. That is crazy. Uh, random factoid that popped in my brain when you said that, Grizz. Uh, there is, that's actually what they based the, if you guys have seen the movie Chronicles of Riddick, the, pl- the prison planet was based off that. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, I yeah. read the book at the back of the... I read the book before I saw the movie at the back of the book because uh, the guy actually consulted some astrologers about it. That's why he based it off that because there is one point on that prison planet. One side of you will freeze while the other, size, other side melts. <laughs> oh, God. That is kind of cool. I depend on Neil deGrasse Tyson for all of my yes. uh, inter-movie science. <laughs> I, I want to meet that man. Like, I just want to shake your hand. Don't say anything. Just shake my hand. And I'm going to walk away slowly. <laughs> Don't say anything. You're going to go hunt him down and then not have him talk? He's got one of the most uh, iconic yeah. voices in all of America. I know. But if he talks, then I would just fall over. And like, well, I'm done. He listens to the podcast. I know that. <laughs> uh, you don't. Snapcat fact number 960. <laughs> there are 21 secret highways that are part of the interstate highway system. They are not identified as such by road signs. I would like to point out the word secret is in quotes. I want to say true because sometimes conspiracy theorists are right. (laughs) I'm just saying they're right about Watergate. (laughs) Stop the watches uh, correct at least twice a day. I know, right? (laughs) I know. I have one of those. I just I don't wind it because I just don't. Well, you have that wrist issue. And it's a pretty watch. It's like I'm afraid I'm gonna. Br- I'm honestly afraid I'm gonna scratch the lens if I wear it. <laughs> it's like this is so pretty. You stay in your box, where I can look at you and ne- and only wear you to job interviews, where I'm not gonna risk scratching you and then take off immediately after job interview. Put back in box. <laughs> I feel there's a new sponsor in this somewhere. Yes. Uh, yes, we're getting on that watch company. Twenty one. I see. Like the quotes makes me want to go, huh? So that's my guess. Huh? All right. What about you, Monk? Hmm. Uh, This is going to be a shot in the dark, but I'm going to say true on that one. All right. And the answer is true. Woo! Nice. Nice. Yes. Go, Monk, go. Uh, So we're going to ignore the word secret, which is in quotes. Uh, I think they just did Mm -hmm. that for, you know, uh, uh, sexy purposes. Yeah. Um, (laughs) We're also ignoring uh, the fact that they omitted U.S. We're assuming that they're talking about the U.S., Um, Dr. Pimple owns a Snipple, so <laughs> if they and they only really distribute here in the United oh States. Oh, my God. And I know what you're thinking. Dr. Pimple used to be owned by the Kurdsworthy uh, egg people, but uh, they sold that in July of 2018. I was not thinking that. Uh, so, unsigned U.S. interstates, uh, not identified because they would be confusing to drivers because they have a number identical to a state route number. So, for instance, if you had I-76 and it was near New Jersey 76, you know, that could confuse drivers. Cool. Snapcap fact number 1017. The phrase, you're a real peach, originated from the tradition of giving peaches to loved ones. I mean, I can see that being a thing. 
Can you though? Yeah. Because fruit wasn't as readily available as it is now, I'm gonna <laughs> say true. They were eating all those, you know, skinned cucumbers, meaty, meaty cucumbers. <laughs> well, I mean, they are better. <laughs> they- yeah, no, I'm gonna have to say true because it sounds like something that would take place in the South. So all right. Oh. I'm gonna say true. Yeah, I I think it sounds like a thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the answer is, huh? Fuck this game. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that answer. No, it's so stupid. Uh, this is unsourceable. Uh, <laughs> your your real peach goes back. <laughs> this is unsourceable. Hundreds of years. There are no books recording this. Uh, it, it goes way back. First of all, peaches originated in China. Uh, they were introduced to Europe just before ancient Rome. Uh, uh, through trade with Persia. Then Julius Caesar conquered Gaul. He brought the peaches with him, at which point they came up with the word peche, uh, which is derived from the Latin word periscum malum, meaning Persian apple. Uh, But literally, you're a real peach. Nobody has any idea. This is something that is just floating around on social media. (laughs) Okay. I love when it's not like a real (laughs) fact. You're just like dismissing it, just floating around, you know. Pretending to be a fact on a cap. Those fools on Pinterest. Facebook and <laughs> Pinterest says this is a thing, so it's a thing now. Yeah. Okay. It's a thing. <laughs> Snapcap fact number 687. The average cat can jump five times as high as its tail is long. True. I'm going to have to say true on that one, too. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say false. <gasps> Interesting. Because lions, he they can jump believe. up to 25 feet. Vertically, but I don't think their tails are that long. And the answer is false. No, look at you. The Manx is a cat. It can jump, (laughs) but it has no tail. (laughs) (laughs) And there are many cats that have very short tails, but can jump just as high as cats that have long tails. Um, You can make the argument that cats use their tails in order to orient themselves while in the air. So a cat that has no tail or a short tail would have a lot of difficulty with that and would be a danger while jumping great distances. But uh, they certainly can go much larger than five times as long as their tail. This saddens me. Uh, For what it's worth, uh, a puma has the tail length anywhere from 2.2 to 3.1 feet. Its jump height has been recorded at 18 feet. Uh, That is somewhere in the range of nine times to six times as high. Nice. I do like pumas. Not a puma. And finally, Snapcat fact number 668. Cape May is the oldest seashore resort in America. Cape May? What a seashore resort. I've never even heard of that place. I think it's in Connecticut? Cape May is in New Jersey. The oldest? I feel like it might have been somewhere more north. Uh, I'm not really buying it. I want to say false. Yeah, I'm going to say false. Since y'all are more experienced at this game, I'm going to follow y'all's lead on this one. I don't know about now, that. <laughs> we're we're going to be wrong. And Grizz is going to have like, some fantastic reason why. And he's going to say, I'm going to piss you guys off. <laughs> <laughs> and the answer is true. Son, All right, really? why? How is, that, how is that possible? New Jersey, for God's sake. <laughs> the word resort uh, comes from the French, resorter, uh, meaning to visit frequently. 
so by definition, we're talking about a popular destination for vacations or recreation. Cape May, New Jersey became the first coastal resort in the United States when regular steamboat traffic uh, began going between the Delaware River, which is uh, at Philadelphia, and uh, Cape May uh, in the early 1800s. Now, we're not entirely sure exactly when this started. However, the most famous of all the shipboat captains began his steamboat in 1822, which was well before any of the others. Um, some of you may be saying, well, what about with trains? Uh, the trains actually began in 1840, uh, which is part of the reason why Atlantic City, New Jersey, became very famous. Uh, it was instantaneously a boom town after a railroad was run from, again, the city of Philadelphia to Atlantic City. See, I knew it would be a thing where it was like, ah. <laughs> nah. The railroads of Atlantic City, of course, are the ones that appear on the uh, Monopoly board. Hmm. Yes. Um, other contenders, Coney Island began in the 1830s, Provincetown, Massachusetts in 1854, and St. Augustine, Florida in 1885. Provincetown I knew about. That's just because of my dad. <laughs> <laughs> is that where he was bitten by an eel? <laughs> <laughs> That's where the eel story happened up in Provincetown. I love it. No, oh, I yes. love it. It's coming together Full right there back down. Yes. And the final score by uh, three to two to two. TK is our winner. Really? Congratulations. <laughs> well I think I've done. Before. <laughs> we have a, a slightly used etcher sketch for you. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm going to recycle it so I can get the iron and plastic yes. and sand out so I can make the. Uh, you know, potato gun. You can build half of a fort. <laughs> Add some water to it, make a little wall. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you're going to have to forgive us because we lost Monk here. Um, he had to go, uh, you know, newborn baby. You know how it is. Or maybe you don't. That's okay, too. I don't. <laughs> it's, it's a good, it, you know, not a goat. It's a child, yes, we're pretty sure. That's right. Yeah, real children have real needs. We made that very clear. He should have had a goat. It could have taken care of itself. <laughs> then he could have stayed. <laughs> and now it's time for What's in the Box? What's in the Box? Uh, part of our show where I read uh, our continuing saga of a uh, pirate-soaked box hunter. All right, everybody ready? I'm ready. Always ready. When you finally untie the knotted ropes that have bound you to the bottom of your steadfast rental yak... <laughs> The rush of blood back to critically choked off parts of your body leaves you mostly on pins and needles. From your knees, you are able to determine that you are the lone human in the dank hold of a pirate warship that is packed to the hilt with battle yaks. Some yaks are adorned with helmets and metal plates. Other yaks are perches for the vast number of parrots aboard this vessel. And a few yaks hover off the ground, bewitched by magic you couldn't possibly understand. For their part, Molly has been outfitted with several large pirate flags, and Minimal is sporting an eye patch. All the yaks make a terrific din that covers the sounds of your footsteps, allowing you to move about freely. Above your head, the sounds of what must be three dozen pirates scurry to and fro preparing the ship for whatever the pirate captain has in store. The idea of returning to Pelscar, given the way you left things after your last dalliance, is greatly unappealing. You search the yak pens and netting for anything that can help you escape. And by some miracle, you find it. Right behind the prow of the ship, you find a small room behind a locked door, 
When you kick the door open, you find the room is full of what appears to be confiscated gear from dozens of adventurers. And right at the front of the pack is your gear. You quickly dress yourself, padded armor, and Sam shears on the hips. It feels good to be you. Again? <laughs> Again? Wait, I was somebody else before? Holy crap. <laughs> I'm being... <laughs> that escalated. When you're without your Sam shears, you're just you know, not yourself. You just let your guard down when you think you're just being you, and then you're not. <laughs> That's how I became Joy that one episode. Yes. Oh, Surprise. <laughs> you head back to Unleash Molly, and that's when you hear a distant scream, presumably the scout in the crow's nest, a scream that changes everyone's plans. Nine guns! Starboard side! You rush to one of the six starboard bullseyes and peer out into the world. It takes a minute for your eyes to adjust to the daylight, though you wish they hadn't. What appears to be nine pirate ships approach at full sail from what must have been their hiding spot behind a small rocky protuberance. They're gaining fast, and there's nowhere to go. Up to the higher decks will surely get you stabbed, and down to the keel in a bombardment will surely get you drowned. The lot of you have only one shot. Brace the hull and weather the storm. Physics tells us that blunting the impact of the cannonballs will spare both you and the ship. You begin hauling barrels of rum and other miscellany to a spot opposite Molly's pen. You look up and spy a massive box dangling from the rafters, attached to some sort of pulley system. Without a moment to lose, you drag the box over to the hull. But due to the curve of the hull, it won't land in just the right spot. High above you, the captain screams out orders for full sheets and the loading of guns. Using several dangling ropes, you rock the massive box back and forth, gaining momentum slowly over time. The precariousness of your position becomes all too obvious as the sails of the neighboring ships now cast shadows on the bullseyes, throwing the lot of you into near blackness. It's now or never. On the final heave, the box groans against the ropes. You roll a 14 plus 3 dexterity and fling one of your Sam shears into the air, slicing the support lines that hold the box aloft. The Sam shear jams into the ceiling, gone forever, but frees its target, sending the massive box crashing to the deck between you and the hull. It makes a tremendous racket. So loud, in fact, that it camouflages the high-pitched whistling of the first volley. Three cannonballs smash into the side of the ship. Two of them pierce through the hull at weak points, liquefying the same number of battle yaks and 15 parrots in the process. The third bounces harmlessly into the water off the reinforced section you just improvised. Screams of prepare to board echo into your ears from two directions. Men, ropes, powder kegs, and porta planks rain past your window and into the <laughs> sea. <laughs> Those poor porta planks. <laughs> oh, no. There's so many of them that that happened. The ship... <laughs> picture company, like, sending them out now. Oh, no. The ships grow so close now that not only can you hear both sets of pirates as they prepare to go mano a mano, but you can also hear one last abandoned cannon sizzling away on the enemy ship just as it's about to disrupt your life. With a massive point-blank blast the enemy drills a ball right into the hull at the exact spot of your impromptu shield 
The force of the impact sends yaks, parrots, and human to the floorboards and turns the top half of your protective box into kindling. The ringing in your ears eventually subsides, and by some miracle you find both Molly and Minnie Mall covered in dust, but very much alive. The sound of clashing steel announces the mid-game of this particular battle. Taking a breath, you look over your shoulder at what's left of your once mighty barricade, its contents now laid bare for all to see. My question for you is this. What's in the box? I'm going to let you go first this time, CA. What's in your <gasps> box? Oh, my bo- it's a big box. It's a very big, big box. Huge box. Yes. Ooh, huge box. Are you opening it up, Chris? It's the second biggest box we've ever had. <laughs> Am I opening? Sure. I not much to open per se, but I'll uh, I'll sift around a little bit, see what's left. And there's a tank inside. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> Like a fish tank. And I aim it straight. Oh. oh. <laughs> I thought you meant a uh, battle tank. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to I've been hoodwinked. Well, now I kind of feel bad about my item. <laughs> Don't feel bad. I want to It's what a it real is. tank. I'm sitting yes. in the tank because uh, I got super excited at the at the homonym. <laughs> I aim it at the door. What happens? <laughs> <laughs> What does the tank do? <laughs> what all tanks do? <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, a, a tank that you guys really like. No, that's a good job, TK. You asked the most important question of this entire podcast, which we always <laughs> fail to ask. You're right on the ball. Don't feel bad about this. <laughs> Did it survive the blast? Like, is it intact? The my item or the your tank? The tank. The, 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 your the item tank was the tank. tank. No, my item wasn't the tank. I changed my mind. No, it's too late I, for that. No, my item wasn't like <laughs> my item wasn't like a driving tank. It was like a gigantic like fish tank. Yes. Is it broken? Oh, yeah. uh. <laughs> <laughs> there is a there is, there is a crack in the tank. Yes. Good. All right. Now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> It's a gravel in the bottom of the tank. <laughs> There's no gravel in the bottom of the tank. However, it just looks like a, a large quantity of hair just floating around in it. Oh, the, so the tank is full? Of hair. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and water. <laughs> this is perfect because I need a disguise to get the hell out of here. <laughs> so I put the hair on Molly the Yak <laughs> to make her look like one of the regular battle yaks. So you're going in the tank? Not anymore. TK, I need that hair. <laughs> Grab that for me, would you, buddy? <laughs> I don't feel like grabbing like random hair out of a tank. <laughs> TK's busy trying to sort his... Bi- All right, it's so- like cleaning out a drain, you know? Okay. Well, I mean, it's hair in a tank. I don't know whose hair. What if, what if it's Grizz's hair, he planted it in a tank, and when I pull it out, it will clone him. Oh, see? Even though I grow hair faster than any other human alive, I will reach into the <laughs> tank for this particular hair... Why not? <laughs> As you go to pull hair out of the tank, a hand comes up and grabs yours. Of course it does. So I introduce <laughs> myself, right? We shake hands. It starts to pull you in. Oh, now you see? He's too desperate. <laughs> and your arm starts to like, be covered with hair. I'm going to need a restraining order over here. <laughs> now you're about elbow deep in the, in the tank. Back. Back. You fiend. <laughs> I start trying to stab him with my stamp share. 
oh no <laughs> you're gonna just stab me <laughs> he's trying to drown me now it pulls you in the tank <laughs> i'm throwing hair towards molly <laughs> molly save grizz <laughs> molly comes to the tank and try to help you out <laughs> good girl so as you're in the tank and you're trying to swim out of it and the hair wraps around you, you notice that there's a strange creature that's looking into your face. What do you do? This is straight out of Star Wars. So I <laughs> point my blaster <laughs> at its tentacle. It's not a tentacle. You, it's hair. It's just hair. And I, I talk into my walkie-talkie and I say, C-3PO, you got to get me out of here. <laughs> The trash. <laughs> <laughs> where, where's so the all the trash compactors on the detention level. <laughs> what are you going to do, Chris? You're drowning. Uh, so I'm taking him with me. With everything I got, I try to jump back out of the tank. <laughs> <laughs> I, roll an, I roll an 11, but with plus two strength. <clears throat> it grabs your leg as you're trying to get out of the tank. <laughs> Um, and you begin to feel like the veins of your leg begin to burn. Molly, do something. Drink the water. <laughs> <laughs> Molly starts to lap at the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not working. Oh. <laughs> There's so much water. <laughs> Molly can drink. <laughs> How big is the tank? Yeah. We just talked about kidney failure earlier. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. I sprinkle salt on the hand. Does that work? <laughs> It does. Nice. It shakes its hand away. It goes back in the water. Yes. <laughs> I don't know where you got salt from. That's a whole other what's in the box. Well done. TK, what do you got? Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so after you escape oh. your daring escape from death of the hand in the aquarium. <laughs> of the hand. <laughs> next to the aquarium is a pouch in the box. Oh, it's Ooh, slightly wet in now. my box. Oh, we're we're boxing together. <laughs> it's it, it, it's still oh, kind of wet from your struggling. Do. I'm sorry. I'm still back on intergender boxing. <laughs> we're, Water the gremlins. We're making Andy Kaufman proud right now. <laughs> so I look in the pouch for something to smack the hand with. What do you got? Inside the pouch, you see a glistening light. It appears to be coming from. Within the bag itself. Uh-oh, more glitter. I put my hand in the bag. You feel what is almost like a sword of some sort. A pouchable sword. <laughs> it feels like a tiny sword like you open envelopes with. No, this is not tiny by any means. So it's a, it's a big pouch? No, the pouch is small. It's about the size of a hand purse. This is a small pouch, but a big sword. <laughs> this is where you have to go in to negotiate with your boss for a raise, but you <laughs> don't want him to know that you have a sword on you. So he's like, what's that? Oh, it's coin purse. <laughs> nothing. Nothing at all. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Great for rogues. I pull it out. What you pull out is the sword of Erethor, the father of Valathor. I don't know who they are. It's the grandson of Malifor. <laughs> it sounds really impressive. Actually, yeah, that that's uh, that was my eight-year-old brain. Actually, <laughs> uh, the sword of Va of uh, Erethor is the sword that his son possesses in the TPK theater. It also is does uh, an immense amount of damage <laughs> to anything it touches, because the sword can only be possessed <laughs> by one who it finds worthy of its cause. Ah, oh, it's you. It's me. 
Am I worthy? Or am I dying? Only if you know the great grandfather uh, Balafor, which is uh, <laughs> Malafor. We're best friends. Yeah, he had a different sword, but is still related. Besties for life. The blade hums in your hand, and you hear it speak to you. What's it say? It says you must find the one who took my hand, the one who took my purpose. <laughs> oh no! Or I'm gonna lose a hand. I can see it now. TPK is just nothing to mess with that. <laughs> is why I did sign up. That that is actually how Balthor lost his hand because he screwed up. <laughs> oh, I, no. I completely ignored the sword when I played him, and I was like, "Nope, I got an idea." <laughs> so I have to hold this sword like forever, or no? Uh, when you're not using it, you put it back in the pouch. There, there. We'll put put that back in the pouch. <laughs> When you try to put it back, don't go there. it's like, but there is injustice near. There are pirates and scoundrels. Is, is Balafor, like, trapped in the sword? No. The sword is uh, originally belonged to Tyr. Uh, oh, that's his, right. Balathor's grandfather was Tyr's right hand. He was his head priest. When Tyr put his mouth in uh, Fenris's mouth... When he put his hand in Fenris's mouth, his right hand said, I will protect you from the evil beast. And he betrayed his lord and master. This is some super sexy D&D porn right now. Okay. <laughs> We're going. Still Screw the cucumbers. Okay. I'm, I'm thinking this is our winner for, this, for the ratings this week. <laughs> Keep going. He put his mouth on what? He put his hand on yeah, and, he did. Uh, Fenris's mouth. And Fenris bit his hand off, but his right hand promised to protect him and said it wouldn't happen. He would behead the beast if he did this. Uh, he didn't behead the beast. TK's going for the gold. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Go for the gold, TK. You can do it. The sword All right, is also, well, it does have a curse on it, but you guys learned that during Extra Life. <laughs> November 2nd to the 4th. Oh, good cross promotion. Extra Life. <laughs> I was going to give it to CA's first tank this week, but I think now that TK has tied it in with our uh, our fundraising efforts, a TK is our winner. Yay! Yay! Twice today. I'm getting it. I'm getting two broken uh, etch sketches. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but the first one has a drawing of a squirrel on it, so you got that going for you. We are controlling transmission. We already talked about the Extra Life fundraiser, November 2nd to the 4th. That is next week, uh, if you're listening to this podcast uh, at the time when it was launched. Um, it's our fundraiser for kids. Uh, you can go to extra-life.org um, and donate. November 30th to December the 2nd, PAX Unplugged in Philadelphia. Yes. TK's Yay. coming to town and he's bringing yum yum. <laughs> yes, and Maxine will be there, and Shimmerwin will be there as well, also a.k.a. Lee. Can you steal a convention? Because this might be an opportunity for us to launch ThreadCon. I mean, we could try. We can try anything. Yeah. We're taking over. <laughs> and I will be dressed as Gritty, so keep an eye out for a large orange puppet. That'll be me. <laughs> I, I am going as a uh, the Kilted Avenger. I'll be wearing combat boots, a kilt, and a cowboy hat. And I'll be sitting down and an orange Muppet. <laughs> so, you can't miss us. I'll be down the street eating a pizza. Yay! And Reading Terminal. Mmm. Mm. Delicious. And then uh, finally, December the 28th, 
this year for uh, Christmas time, Christmas and New Year's, uh, we're taking off for a week. So that is episode number 37 will be the best of the Thread Raiders. We're going to do a little bit of a countdown, be about an hour and a half long. Uh, the best, funniest stuff that we got, uh, mostly from this particular episode, but there will be some stuff from other other episodes too. So, you know, tune in and enjoy. Chris is going to take all the time. See, almost killed us. And uh, that's right. Compile them <laughs> together, especially the, uh, you know, portable plank. Which took me yes. five minutes to recover from. <laughs> Which apparently I started a business of portable blanks. Now I have to come up with a good name for my company. It is the most lethal of all of our podcasts. So we hope that you enjoy <laughs> it. Uh, please yeah. be sure to tune in. And so there you go. Thank you listeners for uh, tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, we also want to thank our special guest, the monk. monk. Psychotic thank monk. You for coming. Thank you for coming by, monk. For stopping by today. Yeah. Sorry you had to leave us early. And if you'd like to find Monk, uh, you can find him on Twitter at Monk2774. Um, and we also want to thank our sponsor, Tabletop Loot. Uh, if you go to Tabletop Loot and find something that you enjoy, make sure you punch in the code THREADRAIDERS in order to receive a discount on your final bill. And if you enjoyed our show, please give us a tweet uh, and help us spread the word. You can also find out all about the Thread Raiders on threadraiders.com, including links to Facebook, Discord, and all of our other social media properties. Thank you.